Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, my name is Jeff, and my wife and I are honored to be the, uh, the lead founding pastors uh, for Authentic Church. And as Nicole, as Nicole had said, and Jason echoed, that we are a church with a simple mission, just to love God, uh, to love people, and do our best to live authentic. And we think that Jesus is so beautiful, you don't got to add anything to that mix. Uh, and uh, he's looking just for authenticity. So if you're here today, and wherever you may be in your spiritual journey, and we're all in a different season of our journey with him, uh, wherever you might be, I just want to encourage you to lean in today. Lean into the word today. Uh, it's no accident uh, that you're here today. And I believe that God has something that he wants to share to each and every one of us. And so we're going to dive into the word of God. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to spend some time taking a look at a famous passage of scripture. Um, if you don't have your Bible, that's totally cool. We got two big Bibles on the sides of me here. Um, if you do have your Bible and it's new to you and you're struggling to find where First Kings is, it's kind of towards the front of your Bible. Or if you got your electronic Bible, it's one of the one of the, the first. It's in the first twenty-ish. There, you'll see it. It's in that first quarter part of the book. So, a um, little backstory on the Book of Kings. Uh, what's happening there? So, as you read through the Bible, it's not just a history, um, but it's his story. It's a story that God wrote really pertaining to us. You know, when you think about the world and in the incredible creation, the plan that God had, if we were one degree closer to the sun, we'd burn up, okay? If we were one degree further away, it'd be ice cold, okay? So God had a plan and design for creating the world in which we live and a plan and design for creating each and every single one of us. And so when you read through the scriptures, I love to take a look at it as this is God's message to me. So what are you speaking to me? What's something that you want to impart to me through that? So you read the Logos. The Logos refers to the written word of God. If you guys have heard the term theology, that comes from Logos, the, the study of God's word. And so you read the Logos and you get that rhema word, which is a spoken word from God through the scriptures directly to your spirit. It says, hey, I'm, I'm knocking on your heart. I'm gonna, I want to speak some things to you out of this ancient old text because it's alive and breathing for us today. And we believe God's word is applicable to us today, not just for yesterday, but to today and for our tomorrow. And so uh, the book of Kings is really cool. There's, uh, there's first and second Samuel, first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles. And those books, a lot of theologians would call those the history books. And they give some good history. Essentially, it's kind of the rise and the fall of a nation from the prophet Samuel until the time where the children of Israel get exiled into Babylon. And what ends up happening through this time is that you had one nation that got divided. And so you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and so they split. And there was Israel and there was Judah. And so this story of kings is really about the prophets of God sharing a word, helping to try to course correct this nation that was constantly wandering, okay? It's trying to course correct them. And, and it's really, it shows you the dependency when Israel was dependent on God, you saw how blessed they were. When Israel tried to do their own thing, you saw how disastrous it was. And so all throughout history, you see that there was the blessing of God that would come on them, and then they would turn from God, and then it was like they'd crash. And then the Lord would send a prophet, and the, the prophet would speak a harsh word at times to kind of get their attention and wake them up. 
and then they'd respond, and then a good king would rise up, and he would try to do based on what the prophet of the Lord said, and then they would restore kind of order, if you will. And so you had the prophets, and then you had the priests. The prophet would speak the word, and then the priest would help to kind of now carry that word out. So whatever the word was, the prophet spoke. Now the priest was kind of like the shepherd doing their best to kind of wrangle in this wayward people and get them back in, get them back in line and help them live according, according to the word of God. And so this happened over and over again. And the prophets, um, you know, they, they never learned the sandwich technique. Anybody know the sandwich technique? Like, I remember, like, back in the 90s, like, that was such a, like, mind-blowing, cool leadership principle, the sandwich technique of how you communicate with people when you want to bring correction, right? The sandwich technique, if you're uh, new to this, um, just to bring you up to speed, if you have to bring correction to someone, you sandwich it with love, okay? So you, you would start with, you're awesome and you're great, and I know you probably didn't mean to, but... You know, son, when you took the car and you crashed it into the neighbor's car on your way out, um, that created a $2,000 bill that you get to pay. This is a true story in somewhere in my family line. Uh, and then at the end of the sandwich it is, but I know you'll do better, <laughs> right? You know, so that's the sandwich technique. Okay, the, the prophets of God, they, they didn't go to that management school. Uh, they, they, they didn't use the sandwich technique. They were just like hard word. Um, you're a wicked, depraved generation, you know. Stop what you, this is stupid. You're being foolish. Like, it was just like, boom, right? Hit you. And uh, they would just kind of like mic drop these bombs all over the place when the prophets of God would speak. But a hard word can produce a soft heart, whereas oftentimes a soft word produces hard hearts. And so the prophets would drop these bombs on different people, and then they had a choice what they could do if they were going to respond to it. Uh, my wife and I, we've served in ministry in various capacities for about 20 years. And I don't know why, but after the first five years of our marriage, the church we were at, they said, hey, you guys should do premarital counseling. You guys are doing something right in your marriage. I'm like, okay, I really don't know what we're doing, but we're five years into this gig. I guess that's five years longer than this couple that wants to get married. Sure, we'll meet with them. So we started doing marriage counseling pretty young in our marriage. Um, all good things, all good things. And so we'd sit down and we'd meet with this wide-eyed couple, and they're so excited to get married and premarital counseling. And, and, uh, and, and I could be sometimes a little harsh uh, on the guys. Uh, but I did it in love. And the reason that sometimes that I was a little bit hard on the guys is because I, I, I seen the, the destruction that comes when guys get married and they don't live in accordance with the word of God and, and they just blow up their lives. I, I've seen the destruction that comes from families where the husband or the father was just like, peace and I'm out of here. I've, I've seen that and I have friends that, that have been laid waste in the kingdom of God because of stuff like that. But I've seen the other side, the bright side of it, is that men that stood up and they, you know, got a backbone and they said, okay, um, I admit my fails, my failings, I've, I admit my shortcomings, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and lead my family well. I'm going to submit to God and I'm going to lead my family well. I've seen the blessing that comes on. So anytime that you see the prophets of God speaking a harsh word, don't cry for the Israelites. They needed a good spanking a lot of times. And this is... This is the way that they got it. So First uh, Kings, that was a long introduction. So that's a backstory on Kings. But First Kings chapter 19, uh, if you're there. So this is the story of Elijah transferring his mantle to a young man named Elijah. So Elijah and Elijah, um, there, there are two prophets of God. 
to know which one came first. Because I remember like I'm first saved, I'm like, who's Elijah? Who's Elijah? Who's Paul? Who's Saul? You know, who's Joshua? Who's Yeshua? You, know, you hear all these names. So just a quick like pro tip, like your mind's going to be blown. Um, especially if you've been living for Jesus for a while and you know the story. Elijah, you always know Elijah came first because the J comes before SH. So Elijah comes before Elijah, right? So I know, you guys are just awesome. You're like, if that was worth the price of admission or the price of parking. First Kings 19, are you there? Say amen. All right, cool. Hopefully you're there. If you're not, don't worry. We got Bibles on the screen. So Elijah went and he found Elijah, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elijah was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elijah left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah, and he said, first let me go and kiss my my father and mother goodbye, and, and then I'll go with you. And Elijah replied, go on back, but I want you to think about what I've done to you. So Elijah returned to his oxen, and then he slaughtered them, had a barbecue, and he used the wood from the plow to build a fire and roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. You know, so here he is. So just, I want you to just catch this for a second. Elijah is doing what he does. Every day he wakes up and he's got chores to do. He lives on a farm and their family, if you got 24 oxen, that's 12 sets of two, if you got 24 oxen, you're doing pretty good in life, okay? You've been doing good at day trading if you got 12, 12 teams of oxen, okay? So, so he's, he's got his, his, his group of oxen and he's out there plowing and he's hooking them up and they got the yoke and it keeps them together and he's plowing a field. Now he's, he knows what he's doing, he's a farmer. And so he's out there and he's farming. He's doing what he's been doing for years and years of his life. His, his life was pretty much a carbon copy of what his dad did, okay? So his mom and dad, they're farmers, and they got these oxen, and probably you know, there's a good t- chance that Elijah even helped to probably make some of the yoke that they had from wood to be able to keep the oxen in line. And so here he is, and he's out there in the field with all, this, all these oxen, and then the prophet comes up. And, and just throws his cloak on him. And, and I love the picture in the King James, in the New King James Version um, of 1 Kings 19, New King James Version, it says that as he passed by, that he put his mantle on him. And so he's just walking as he passed by, and he just puts his mantle on him. I believe that the Lord is passing by this morning, and he's throwing a mantle at you. He's throwing something at you. He's throwing something to you. There's something that he wants to give to you. And it's not just for you. It's for some things that he wants to do through your life. But he's casting his mantle on you. And you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes opportunity comes when you least expect it, right? Uh, you know, I, I love the, the saying, opportunity is a place where success, and, or success is where opportunity and preparedness meet. And I believe that. But there's a time when opportunity comes and you gotta be able to act on it. And you got it comes in a moment. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you go through life and you're looking and looking and looking and looking and looking for opportunities. And it's like op- no opportunities come, right? And then suddenly there's like five job offers and you're like, 
which one do I take, <laughs> right? You know, it's like you go through a drought and then, it, or, and then it's like all of a sudden feast. You got all these different options, you know, for you single people when, when you're dating. I remember before I met my wife, I'm like wondering, you know, when is a woman going to come along? And I'm, I'm dating. I, I swore off dating uh, when I came to Christ. I just said the next woman I date is going to be my wife. I don't know why I did that, but I just made that decision, which made for a, lo- a, a lonely two years of my life. Uh, and, and then I'm like praying, I'm like, Lord, when are you going to bring her? And then it was like, there was all these girls suddenly that wanted to date me. I don't know why, but my wife won. She won. (laughs) Kidding. Sort of, sort of. But I want to encourage you. Opportunity is coming today to your potential. When opportunity meets potential, something powerful happens. When opportunity comes across your potential, something powerful can happen. My question is, what opportunity is God putting in front of you where you feel like your potential is just primed and ready, right? It's just primed and ready. I remember when I was a kid, I, my parents would kick my, me and my brothers out to go work on my grandparents' orchard and their, their farm. They had a uh, big uh, orchard over in eastern Washington. It was a pear orchard. And so I remember as just like little blonde head, toe head, running around in the orchard. And, you know, you're eating pears, and which are awesome. Uh, it's like the most sugariest fruit that God ever created. It's just awesome. And so we'd go out there, and they had a well on the property, and you'd have to prime the pump. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it felt like forever. If you've ever primed a well, it's like, man, you're pumping that thing and pumping that thing and pumping that thing, and then finally water comes up. What opportunity where you've been priming the pump and you feel like God's been preparing you for, when that opportunity comes, you, there's a shelf life. There's a shelf life. My question is, what's the window on the window of opportunity? What's, what's the window of the window of opportunity in your life? You have a season. You have a season to do something. Uh, the biggest thing that, that breaks my heart is when I've seen people that they get to their 60s or 70s and they look back and they go, oh, man, I wish I would have. I could have done this and I didn't. Fear kept me back. I didn't go. I should have. Man, I didn't spend enough time with my kids. I wish I would have invested money more into family vacations than I did into the stock market. I I wish I would have taken more time to be with the one. I wish I would have. And they can't get that back. Opportunity, I believe, is coming to our our church today. And I remember even praying, gosh, it was about a year and a half ago. And I had, uh, it just kind of hit me as I looked out through those doors. But I remember having a, like a, a quick vision of a situation like this looking out the doors. And that opportunity was just coming to groups of people opportunities where it's just like it was just one opportunity after another. And so I'm believing for that for us today. But uh, I want to encourage you not to be like the rich young ruler where Jesus gave him an opportunity and he said, come follow me. And the rich young ruler, he felt like he had too much to lose rather than seeing how much he was about to receive. So instead of looking at all that he was about to get and following Christ, he looked at all that he was walking away from. He goes, man, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do it. I want to encourage you, whatever God asks you to do, man, do it. If he's telling you to start a Bible study, do it. If he's, in, if he's telling you to open your home up and just start to invite friends and neighbors over and have barbecues, man, do it. If the Lord's putting an idea, a thought on your heart, I want to encourage you to do it. He'll lead you with green lights as much as he'll lead you with red lights. 
okay? So you weigh it up. I'm, I'm not saying if the Lord tells you to move tomorrow to Zimbabwe, just pack your bags, possibly. I would say there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Check with some people in your life. If you're married, check with your spouse, okay? If it's really of God, he'll confirm it between the two of you. But when God puts something on your heart, no matter how crazy it is, you gotta do it. My new friend David, uh, sitting here in the back, Dave was a firefighter uh, with Orange County and he felt like the Lord told him to walk away from it. You're a firefighter. You know how much time and effort and studying and uh, just being disciplined, effort, and also the grace of God to be able, with thousands of applicants, you know how much it takes to be able to get on to become a firefighter? And to walk away from it, that was huge. And despite being ridiculed by those around him, he felt like, no, this is what God has for me. Thank God he had a supportive wife, uh, Caitlin, uh, who was behind him. And I'm sure it hasn't been easy, but responding to the call of God, I was talking to him last week, and he's like, but I I feel the blessing of God. I know that God's called me to do that, and God's provided for them supernaturally. It's better to be in the grace and the plans of God than our own plan. Amen? So it's no accident that you're here this morning. It's no accident that you're here. God's reminding you maybe of some things, stirring some things inside of you. What's some opportunities that he's placed in front of you? And bigger question, what's the opportunity that he's placed in front of you? And I found it interesting. So Elijah, he's he's plowing there with, with, it said, 12 yoke of oxen. Now the number 12 is significant, as many of you may know. Number 12 actually was uh, a number that was related to government. It was, rega- it was regarded in terms of a perfect number for balance of power and authority. Uh, the number 12, obviously Jacob had 12 sons that became the tr- 12 tribes of Israel that made up the nation of Israel. Um, the number 12, uh, also there was 12 minor prophets that dot the Old Testament. There was 12 spies that were sent out into the promised land. Solomon appointed 12 governors. And number seven, when we read about the tabernacle, we know that there was 12 cakes, 12 bulls, 12 bulls, 12 rams, 12 lambs. I mean, there was 12. There was lots of 12s, okay? And then we read about in, in the New Testament, Jesus comes onto the scene and we read about his birth. And then he kind of does this cameo when he's 12 years old, he's in the temple. When he finally decides to go ahead and start his ministry, he goes and selects 12 guys to be his disciples. Uh, those same 12 guys end up going and they are, they're part of the miracle where there's the feeding of 5,000 and at the end of the miracle, they are able to pick up 12 basketfuls. And when there was 12 disciples and one of them took his own life, a guy named Judas Iscariot, takes his own life. They said, there's an imbalance here. We need to appoint a 12th one to make sure everything is in line with how Jesus left it. So they end up selecting Matthias to be the 12th disciple. And then in the book of Revelation, you read about the tree of life that will bear 12 different types of fruit, one for every month. We have 12 months that make up a complete year. So the number 12 shows completeness. It shows authority. Uh, it shows uh, provision. And so here he is, Elijah's plowing with his 12 yoke of oxen. And Elijah comes up, and as he's passing by, throws the kid an opportunity. And at that moment, he had a choice. Do I receive this, or do I walk away from it? And Elijah threw his mantle on him. Now, his mantle was a cloak. Uh, It was a robe. Many of you, you've seen like some of the, the old world movies where the king or or a prince, and they have a, a coronation time, and they, they put this fancy robe on them, right? 
and, and, and it's long. Well, the, the mantle was the robe that they would wear. Job had a mantle, Ezra had a mantle, Samuel had a mantle, and the prophet Elijah had a mantle. And so when he throws that mantle on Elijah, Elijah knows what this means. This means something special. Basically, this guy is picking me out. What in the world? So he runs after him to go and talk. He says, can I, can I, before I leave, can I go back and I say goodbye to my mom and dad? Can I kiss them goodbye? Now, this isn't like in the Gospels, I believe it's Matthew 8, where Jesus calls the guy and he says, can I go, I want to go back and bury my mother and father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, you know, come with me. And that guy wasn't being respectful of Jesus' time. He was talking, that guy in Matthew 8's like, hey, I'm going to go and kind of live my life for a while. And then once, you know, some friends and relatives pass and we bury them, then when it's a little bit better in my schedule, then I'll come and follow you. That's not like this. Elijah's in, in respect. Elijah's going to the prophet and saying, can I just go kiss mom and dad goodbye? And Elijah says, yes, you, you can go ahead and do that. Go, go kiss them goodbye, but don't forget what I've done to you. Don't, don't take lightly what I've put on you. Sometimes in life, we want the prophet to move at our speed. We want God to go at our pace. And we could be lackadaisical in the calling that God has on us. We can be lackadaisical just saying, I'm praying about it. No, 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 God's calling you to act. He's calling you to act. And, and when you go after God, you go all in for the things of God. I'm gonna be honest with you, buckle up. It's a wild ride and there's gonna be some work involved. <laughs> you know, I was able to, to go to my friend Andre's, uh, he, this gentleman over here, Andre, he lets me office out of one of his offices that he has in Huntington Beach. And, uh, and, and so he had a, a big meeting with a bunch of his people and I was trying to like sneak out the back door as I was leaving my office and he grabbed me and said, Jeff, come here. And he introduced me to his whole team and, and chatted with him. But one of the things that I shared with, with his team of, of, uh, that, that work with him is, is there's no such thing as an overnight success. Uh, if it was, you, it was the longest night of your life, you know? There's no such thing. And success in life and success in anything it takes work, man. Like it takes waking up early, going to bed late, blood, sweat, tears. You're all in. You're going after it. It takes fervency. We're, we're not going to accomplish big things for God by just kind of like stumbling into it. No, it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. You can't approach whatever God is calling you to do, whatever he's leading you in, you can't approach it lackadaisically at your own pace. you got to go at the speed of the prophet. So what does Elijah do? He runs to the prophet. He runs after him. It's one thing to leave your past behind. It's another thing to run to your future. Some of us have walked away from something in our past, and that's good. That's God. God loves that. But it's another thing to go all in and run towards what God has for you. So Elijah's there and he chases after, after Elijah. Elijah's just put his mantle on him. Now Elijah had worked, he'd performed many, many miracles. I'm just going to read off a few of you, uh, a few for you today. There was a time where he, he, he caused the rain to cease. So he prays and he says, because of the sin and the wickedness, I'm going to pray that there's going to be no rain in the land. And the rain stopped, and then there was a famine. And then he goes and he sees a widow, and she's like down. She, she's suffering from the famine, and she doesn't have nothing but a jar of flour and one little jar of oil. 
And so he goes and he prays and he says, go and get all the jars that you can from everybody. And as long as you had jar, there's not going to be any stoppage of oil. It's going to keep flowing and flowing and flowing. That was a miracle that he did. And then the, the widow, there was the widow's son that died. And Elijah went and laid out on the widow's son and he was resurrected. Uh, there was a time where he calls down fire from heaven on the altar defeating the prophets of Baal. I love that story. My kids love that one. Um, about how he was mocking them and say, I think maybe you need to yell a little louder. I don't know if the God of Baal is hearing you. And they're like, ah, you know. And he defeats them, calls down fire on them. And then at the end of the famine, he says, all right, it's time. And he prayed for rain and boom, then storm clouds came and it rained. Uh, he prophesied that Ahab's sons would all be destroyed, destroyed and they were. He prophesied that Jezebel would be eaten by dogs and she was. And by the way, if you got a Jezebel in your life, you can't talk a Jezebel down. Sometimes you just need to walk away from that Jezebel, okay? You just need, Jezebel is a spirit that just needs to be killed. It's not one that you spend time hanging out with. So he calls down fire upon the 50 soldiers that come and get him. Then a second brigade come to do the same thing, and he calls down fire on them. And then the last brigade of 50 soldiers, he ended up finally going with them. Uh, he took off of his mantle, his cloak, he took it off, and he wrapped it up, and he struck the river Jordan, and it parted, and they walked through. And then later on, having received the mantle, Elijah, in 2 Kings, Elijah takes that same mantle, wraps it up, strikes it just like that, and the water parted for him. So then he walked into his destiny. So here's like this glimpse. All these things have happened for the prophet Elijah. And he goes, and he throws his mantle. And it was kind of like a, a preview of things to come. I don't know about you, it's been a while since I've gone to the movie theaters, but when I go to the movie theaters, I always love getting there early with Fawn. I love the smell of popcorn. I love get, I don't have soda very often, but when I go to the movie theaters, for whatever reason, that overly salty popcorn in the soda just calls my name. And, and I love going early for the previews and seeing all the things to come. Sometimes my kids and I will literally sit down and all they'll want to do is, can we just watch previews? And we'll watch previews for like an hour, and then it's like, all right, go to bed. You know, it's time for time with mom. They just, we just love watching previews. Well, Elijah, Elijah is getting a preview of things to come as Elijah throws his mantle on him. And what does he do? Elijah goes back, says, Mom, Dad, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> I know this is crazy, but a guy I've never met just came and put his mantle on me. And he called me to go with him to places I've never been, to do things I've never done. What do you think? Sounds similar to the disciples, right? Dad, this guy Jesus just called me. I've never met him. I've heard about him. And he's called me to be his disciple, to go places I've never been and to do things I've never done with him. And so Elijah does this for Elijah, and Elijah goes back and has this conversation with mom and dad, and we don't get necessarily a glimpse into the conversation, but I could only imagine. Oh, by the way, um, all those oxen that you have me watch over, uh, and, and the plow, the yoke, um, that's gone too. I, I burn it, but good news, we have in and out for the, for the entire town. <laughs> so I'm cooking a barbecue that's gonna be better than Jason Edgman's tri-tip or Chris Odo's Smoked brisket, it's going to be better than that. It's going to be awesome, and it's going to feed the whole town. So he does that, and then he goes and he follows after the prophet of God. You know, sometimes if you're going to take hold of something that God has for you, you got to get radical, man. 
you gotta do something radical. What's the radical? Like for me, one of the most radical things I ever did was in 2011, my wife is six months pregnant, and our church had announced up in Seattle where we're from, our church announced, hey, we're planting a church down in Ventura, California. Never even heard of the place. We're planting a church. Does anybody, if you feel like God's calling you to go, there's an information meeting that's happening. We're six months pregnant. Um, my company I was working at laid me off because I didn't want to move my family to New York where they were repositioning everybody. So here I am, no job. We're going broke, like literally broke. We're, our, our bills are going up because we're having another baby. And, uh, and, so, and we go to this meeting and we're like, we feel like God's telling us to go. And we go all in. And I kid you not, we packed up our life and I had $700 to my name, no exaggeration, and, uh, and we went down to Ventura, California to help plant this church. I'm driving down, and I don't have money to pay my first and last month's deposit, oh, and the security deposit. I don't have money for all the gas. I don't have money to fly my buddy. Zach Harder, one of my best friends, is in the truck with me, and we're driving down. And he's like, man, this is awesome. This is so cool that you're doing this. Dude, you're just going for it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking you have no idea, bro. I don't even know how I'm flying you home. <laughs> I, I was chasing after God, man. And, and, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm getting, we we're driving all night because I couldn't afford a, a hotel room. I, I don't even know what I'm going to tell the landlord when we get to Ventura Hey, I, I don't know, I got 700 bucks, I'll give you the rest as soon as I can. I mean, what do you say? That doesn't look good for a new renter, <laughs> you know, renting a house for any of you property management people. You're like, red flag, right, you know. And so we're driving down, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? Zach's asleep, I'm praying, I'm crying. Oh, God, I know you're telling me to do this, but Lord, this is nuts. This is nuts, you know. And we get across the California border. I'm not kidding you, we're about an hour in, and I get a phone call. And it's my dad, Pops calls. He says, hey, how's the drive going? I said, oh, it's awesome, Dad. He goes, how are you doing? Oh, I'm awesome, Dad. All right, you lie, you lie, right? You know, it's awesome, it's great, it's beautiful. Some sun's coming up, it's great. He says, how are you doing financially? Awesome, we're doing great. <laughs> how are you really doing, son? All right, I tell him. He says, how much do you need? Mom and I want to wire you the money. As soon as the bank opens at 9 a.m., you'll have it there. We're going to put some extra in there so that you guys can have a good move in in the first few months, et cetera. And God just miraculously provided. And I'm telling you, I've seen the goodness of God provide for our family time and time again. Anytime God tells you to step out of the boat, he's going to make a way for you. I'm not saying do something stupid. Okay, I'm not saying do something foolish, get counsel. And by the way, I got counsel before I made that move with my wife six months pregnant and 700 bucks in my account, okay? I got counsel before I made the move and everybody said, this is God. And one of the people that I counseled with said, I still believe this is God. I'm actually gonna give $500 a month to you and your wife to help you make ends meet while you guys are getting settled. Like, it's amazing. When you take a step of faith out, whatever God's calling you to do, man, go all in. Be radical about it. I loved it. The other, the other night I got to see a video. There was a, a gal that uh, came to Christ and, um, and she apparently had, had an addiction with meth. And she came up literally on stage at this event right up in front of everybody and she's like, I'm done. I'm handing you my drugs. She threw down her pipe, the meth, everything. 
And then they said, all right, stomp it. And she's stomping it out. I mean, I believe that person was delivered. When you have a radical act of obedience, it's amazing the freedom you experience. Some people don't experience freedom because they haven't gotten radical in that area of your life. And if God's telling you to lay something down today, even as I'm speaking right now, I wanna encourage you, throw it away. Pour it down the sink. Turn that off. Walk away from that. If you're dealing with an addiction to something on the internet, man, you get somebody to lock down your phone or get some sort of covenant eyes type of a, a filter on your computer. When you take radical steps, it's amazing the freedom that you feel. Some of us have never felt that freedom because we haven't done anything radical. And I just want to encourage us today. Opportunities passing by you. He's calling you out. It's no accident that we're gathered here together today. It's no accident that you're in this room today. Of all places, it's gonna be like 81, 82 degrees here. And you found parking when the fair's going on and it's getting crazy nuts. You, you, wander, you didn't just wander in here on your own. I believe the Spirit of God's led you. And he's calling you to go all in. And whatever all in looks like for you, and it's gonna look different for everybody, but he wants to throw his mantle on you. He's throwing an opportunity your way. Man, take hold of that. He's breathing on the gifts and the talents that you have. Take hold of that. I love it. You know, the, the, as we've gotten up and running as, as a church here, we've been together now for almost a year. In September, it'll be one year that Authentic Church uh, has been born. And on the front row is a sweet woman, Alyssa Norwood. She's incredible. And we met her literally one year ago this week, one year ago. Friend, friend, friend anniversary. How do you say that? Something like that. Yeah, some. However, Facebook says it. Friend anniversary, where she became like family to us, and it's so awesome that Alyssa, with her spunk and her design and everything that she does, she comes and she serves here at Authentic Church. It's so awesome. Gil is sitting in the back on the camera. This guy produces a, a TV show every single week. But on Sundays, he's so faithful, he shows up here and he serves. My buddy Josh Fair over here has a successful business. And uh, him and his wife, they do weddings and videography and wedding planning and everything. He brings his video talents and helps to produce the video content that gets thrown on YouTube for us. Uh, Nicole Edgman, sitting in the front row, who you met earlier, she's, her book's in Barnes & Noble, and she's an author and a speaker, and she travels, and she does this. She's got her own professional counseling office, and people pay a lot of money to get healed healthy and whole by going through Nicole's programs, but she does it for the women of Authentic Church by helping to lead a women's Bible study, and she's been doing that since she, since she came here. I love seeing that. I see people like Hannah uh, with giftings and talents on the piano, and she says, hey, I, I've been playing piano since before I could talk, so I'm gonna come here. If you'd like me to play piano, and then you hear her play piano, and it's like, Thank you, Jesus. Not only is she talented, but she's anointed, which is even better. But when the giftings and talents that God's put inside of you and you begin to use that, man, you feel a sense of purpose come into your life. You feel a sense of destiny. And that's what happens with, with Elijah when he throws that in Elijah. There was something in Elijah that said, I was made for more than just coming behind a plow of oxen. I was, my life, I know that I was made for more than just doing this. And when the prophet of God called that out, he responded and he ran after him. My question is, what's God calling you to run after today? What's the Holy Spirit putting in your heart that you need to run after?
I'm going to have the worship team join me up front as we kind of get prepared to end today. And I'm just asking, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? We're here together. I got to believe that he's speaking something. He's so good, loving, kind, gracious, knows exactly where everybody's at, knows exactly every need in the room. He knows what's going on in your heart, your mind, your family, your faith journey, your marriage, whatever it is. He knows exactly where you're at. So I just want to encourage you. Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to me? What's something that you're throwing my way or have thrown my way? And maybe you're here and it's like, man, you've had opportunities thrown at you, but you just haven't taken it for whatever reason. We all have our reasons. Uh, I didn't do it. I was too lazy with that. Uh, I didn't do it. Too afraid. I don't know if I can go in, get involved in a church again. Man, I was hurt by a church. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. I don't know if I can go all in with that relationship. Man, I got hurt. My last relationship bruised me bad. Whatever it is. What is it that God's throwing your way today? Elijah called out the destiny in Elijah. And Elijah responds, he slaughters the cow, he cooks the meat, and he feeds his friends. God uses the things in your past to be able to be a blessing. It's not for naught. Stuff that you've gone through, if you'll allow the Lord to use it, stuff that you've gone through, even the hardest of hard things that you've gone through, if you place it into the hands of God, it's amazing how he takes those things that the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. And even the good things in your life, when you place it into his hands, it's like it magnifies and it grows. I believe God's stirring a spiritual hunger in his community and specifically in authentic church. I just feel like he's, with our church, I feel like we've been priming the pump. We've been praying, we've been fasting. We've been seeking after God, doing our best to do all that God has called us to do. But what's God calling you to do? Is God calling you to be part of this house? Is he calling you to get more involved? God placing a business in your hands that you've kind of been a little bit holding and he's telling you, go all in. There's a window of opportunity on this opportunity. Go all in now burn the plow, burn the plow, walk away from the past and move towards him. Maybe you need to do something radical like that woman did with meth where she literally stomped on it, stomped on the drug, stomped on the pipe, said, I'm done with this. Maybe you need to get radical with something like that. If there's any addictions in the room, man, you beat addiction with radical surrender. That's how you do it. Radical surrender. You experience radical freedom. Isaiah 61.10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Catch this. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. to remind some of you today you're a priest say I don't feel like a priest it doesn't matter how you feel God's calling you a priest He's calling you to be a priest in your home Psalms 132 verse 9 let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints 
shout for joy. First Peter 2.9, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. bringing you from darkness to light. It's no accident you're here today. Do you need to put anything to death today? Is there any plow that you need to burn? Is there a relationship you need to walk away from you know that that's not a a God-honoring relationship? Is there a situation, is there an opportunity that God's been placing in front of you and you know it's time? It's time, it's time. Go all in. Go all in. Radical steps. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.